Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Furkan Dandia. In this week's episode, I welcome back Rich Dolan and Michael Chard um, for another conversation. And this week, we want to talk about bromance. Um, Mike, Rich, and I talk about the stigma around bromance and men's mental health. And we also touch on how, as men, we can support each other and change the whole narrative around romance or seeking help from each other. I really hope you can get a lot out of this episode. And if at the end you could leave a five-star review, I would truly appreciate it. Gents, welcome back to the podcast. So I've got Rich today and Mike uh, Michael Chard and Richard Dolan, who have also been, uh, have been on the podcast before. Uh, so no introductions required at this point. Uh, but today we wanted to touch on the topic of bromance and uh, how it's often frowned upon. But for me personally, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've been able to connect with you guys over Instagram, never met you guys in person. But, uh, you know, I really appreciate the, uh, the bond we've been able to build, a uh, little bit of a community we've got here supporting each other and talking about mental health specifically, but then also, uh, you know, the compliments I receive from both of you. So uh, I really appreciate the, <laughs> the, the kind words, but yeah, I wanted to turn it over to you guys and, uh, you know, talk about some of the, the the support we've been able to give and, and really talk about uh, some of the mental health challenges, whether it's lockdowns or, um, or just personal stuff we're dealing with. Cool. Yeah. Hey, good to be back. Um, do you want to jump in Mike first? I want to talk over you. No, you carry on mate. You go right ahead. I don't mind. I'll, I'll quite happily sit in the sidelines and wait my turn. <laughs> so the look, make the place okay. look nice and stylish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna just. Kind well, of you, you've got, you've got the, you've got the mule, you've got the mule. I'll let you go. I've got the mule. Um, yeah, so it's good to be, good to be back having a chat. This is something we've talked about um, for a while, so it's good we finally managed to, uh, to kind of get it down. Um, I guess the, the bromance thing is, is, uh, yeah, it's that word, isn't it? It's the stigma that's kind of around that word. It's almost something that's uh, used in a derogatory way, like to kind of you know, belittle something as less than, I, I guess, but it's a thing, you know, we've connected on Instagram, three complete random people who've come together on a, uh, a platform of millions. And um, I think it's something that, as you said, Thurkin, I know for myself, it's been good to have over the last few months, um, you know, with everything that's been going on, you know, personally and uh, professionally and from a global perspective with the lockdowns and the pandemic, to be able to have this kind of little space where we've checked in and had random conversations and actually been able to explore stuff free of the uh, restrictions, if you like, of, you know, long-standing relationships or family or friends or whatever, it's been quite refreshing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess for me, the fact that it's been completely unexpected has probably been the most significant thing that it kind of popped up out of nowhere. You know, it wasn't something I went looking for um or really ever knew was there so it's kind of like been a very new experience on many levels that's my little bit mike so you can uh, you can jump in there <laughs> yeah well i think um uh 
especially the, the idea of bromance and the thing of yeah bro want to do this bro let's go and do this but, you know, but for even Lovely, before bro. um lockdown yeah bro um but even before lockdown kicked in um it was always perceived to be like a bit of a toxic thing wasn't it having a bromance with somebody or a group of men um i think it was in the uk at least tied very much to like soccer culture and football culture and mm. um sports and that type of thing um I suppose, you know, for me, bromance um, from a male perspective is important. I think um, bromance is is just a, is a is a, a toxic word, I suppose, for something which means you have a a close relate an open relationship with men around you. Um, and I've quite let's uh, how I kind of put this. I, over the years, I've had quite a number of really close relationships which have developed with people either for school or for workplaces and you know like you mentioned earlier on rich meeting up with you and furkan on the podcast on um on instagram complete mm. fluke but we seem to get on really really well and even before we started recording this podcast the amount of banter which is flying around <laughs> online <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. poor Furkan. Oh, he, he might, he, he's got both barrels so far um, during, <laughs> during this. Yeah. I, I think uh, for everybody listening to the podcast, Furkan has amazing hair and rides a motorcycle, <laughs> and we're, je- we're jealous of him. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on, Mike. I can't, I, I don't want to go there right now. It's too painful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, um, you know, as we're talking about romance, I, I find it quite fascinating that there's even a term for it, right? You know, uh, when, women have close friendships and they support each other there's no like label to it it's just they're called friends yeah and um, it's kind me- of expected isn't it with women that they have these very strong bonds or very strong groups yeah yeah and whenever right. like it's like you hit it off with a man like you know i've had uh i've met uh, amazing people throughout my life and you know you kind of connect with a man and everyone stands around and it's like oh these two have bromance and it's like well why can't we just become good friends <laughs> yeah why so, does it yeah. have to have a word why does it have to be something that you kind of put a, la- a label on to exactly to highlight that it's different or something exactly and then the second you start labeling things it's almost like well it's it's different it's uh it's not normal and that's where i find quite uh, it quite fascinating especially in the world where we're in right now where we're encouraging men to just go out there and be themselves but we start labeling things Mm. yeah really interesting and what mike said as well about you know groups of guys together that you know pockets of men that get on it seems to be acceptable when it's or expected when it's in as you say a sporting context so either playing sport together or supporting some sort of sport so there's that kind of tribalistic element to it you know um but there doesn't seem to be a space where it's just like you say guys being being friends as such so i think this encouragement for men to kind of you know talk about themselves and you know express how they feel and and be different than these kind of boxes that they've been put into is really difficult when there isn't a space that's made where guys can kind of go into and do you know do these sorts of things without everyone going oh Check you guys out, the bromance. Oh, are you talking to your new, your new best friend tonight? It's fucking, you know. It's it's not really anything other than, as you say, people connecting, people getting on, um, finding things in common, and being able to talk in a in a way which is 
you know, liberating because perhaps there isn't that judgment there or isn't that insecurity because you just happen to be on the same page, so to speak. It's a question for you both. Um, often within groups of people, uh, whether it's mixed sex or single sex or whatever, um, there'll always be one person or maybe two people that you'll resonate with more than others and establish a much more closer bond with. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where the moniker bromance comes to. Over your lifetime, have you, either of you, ever had that really close-knit relationship with somebody and then eventually through whatever reason, whether you grow apart, you've had a disagreement or um, uh, you know, it's just life gets in the way and you fall out of contact, um, you ever had those relationships fall apart and what was the impact on your mental health? Um, it, for me, <laughs> as you can probably guess, I'm coming from a point of um, experience. Um, for me, uh, I had one, um, a really close friend, which I grew up with from school. Uh, he, we knew each other for over 20 years. And then all of a sudden, it's just gone. One day it was, you couldn't do, and you, know, you couldn't even so much as wake up and have a cup of coffee without FaceTiming each other. Mm. And then within the space of two, three, four weeks, it completely dissolved. And the impact um, that had on me was very, was extremely negative, which I'll go into later on. Um, mm. But it, I think um, the question really is put to you guys is what have your experience been with bromance? How have you felt and what value did you get out of it? I mean, bromance as in close relationship with a dude. Yeah, um, I think that's definitely happened to me. I mean, I'm definitely an introvert and I've never throughout my life, I've never, um, so my, my best friends now, you know, are, are sort of two or three guys that I've known for 30 odd years, you know, since first school, really. And I feel incredibly lucky to have those relationships in my life. But there's been a few, only a few people that I've ever got significantly close to, you know, during that time. Um, but there was one guy in particular who he, he actually was my best man at my wedding, uh, you know, and, and we don't have any contact anymore and haven't had. It's really weird you mentioned this actually, because randomly I found out this weekend, weekend that he's got married again. Through a, through a mutual friend so it kind of came back into my mind and now you've mentioned this because yeah that was a that was a friendship where you know we were kind of we we were a bit of a duo for a time you know and uh yeah it uh I've often tried to understand exactly what happened there I mean he had a lot of issues of his own as well but I think it was very much about it had it had a time limit to it if you know what I mean there were there were factors to it that were far greater than just he and I and the friendship we had it was you know, life was moving us in different ways, had different plans for us. And it's difficult to look back now on that friendship and, and imagine it being alive today, because I know that I am, and I'm pretty sure he is as well. We're fundamentally different people than we were, and yeah. you know, we did outgrow each other. But at a time, I remember that would seem inconceivable to think that we there would be a point where we didn't get on or we, or we didn't have a connection. But yeah, thing, things change and everything has, you know, everything ends basically yeah. at some point yeah. Um, yeah. but this so is right describe your experience that's a you know you then you then deal with the, the loss and the grief yeah. you know because there's a bereavement there of of a relationship yeah no i uh <laughs> again rich very similar experience um so my cousin and i uh who i never knew until i moved uh cities became really good friends and very similar to yourself like uh he was a uh, the best man at my my wedding um 
yeah, we traveled a lot like together, went on trips and then, yeah, he was the best man at my wedding. And then things just kind of fell apart from there and we don't even talk anymore. Uh, so very similar experience. And like you said, um, you know, there was a loss associated with it. Um, but I'm also a firm believer. Well, now I am, uh, as I get more wisdom in life <laughs> that, uh, you know, I think people come into your life to serve a purpose and, you know, most often when that purpose is, has been served, they're gone. And, and there's some very limited people who stay in your life forever, but everyone I feel like has a purpose and you, you can look at it as, you know, a negative thing, or you can look at it as something like, now I look at a lot of the relationships, like, again, I'm going through another kind of loss just recently. And it's been like, it's been hot, tough to deal with, but it's looking at, okay, what did I learn from that experience? What did this person teach me? And, you know, looking at that positive, positive attribute or thing they brought into my life. Um, so I think it's important to look at that um, because, you know, you can focus on the negativity and be like, oh, yeah, this person was a bad person. Uh, they did this to me. Or you can look at it, what, what you learned. Right. And uh, yeah, um, I think you know, experiencing those losses from, from having close friends, uh, they teach you something. Uh, but it, it's also looking at it, like I said, that everyone comes in, they, they have a role. It's like a movie, right? They all have a role to play in your life, which is essentially a, a very long movie. And uh, very few stick around. And, and as I get older, I've, I've come to the... Um, I've accepted the fact that, you know, on my circle of friends is going to get smaller and smaller. Um, it's just the way it goes, right. As you get older and, and what kind of people you want to surround yourselves with. And uh, it's, it's, for me, it's also about what value am I getting from the relationship? And I know it sounds very materialistic, but it, in terms of value, what I mean is, Am I learning something from them? Uh, are they inspiring me? Are they pushing me to be a better person? And those yeah. are the qualities I look for now in terms of the people I surround myself with. Yeah, I, yeah, I suppose um, to quote vision from the MCU, a thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. And I suppose that's, um, um, uh, that's a good way of looking at it in terms of relationships. They, you know, Ferk, I think you're right. You know, people come in, they serve a purpose and they stay from whatever has been determined and then they go at the appropriate time. And I think Richard, a, a comment you just made about um, becoming dramatically different people um, over time from where you were, that's something I've probably not considered. Um, and uh, something I'm going to definitely take away from this call because I've always left it as, um, as uh, a relationship which failed which I thought was probably um, either my fault to some degree but I never worked out the reason why mm -hmm. um, and I've struggled with thinking about that relationship over and over and over again and uh, I've come to terms with it but that's mainly because of the amount of time that's elapsed since we last spoke up until present time but I think oh. you're right um, it is a case where uh, life has taken us in different directions we are different people now and I suppose that if we sat in a bar and had a pint we'd probably find it difficult to actually establish common ground yeah yeah because quite a lot of what we think is actually um you know a strong connection is uh is environmental or circumstantial yeah we just happen to be in a similar place at a similar time 
and that compensates for the fact that we you know we've not sort of developed that strong bond as such it's just that you know we, we happen to click within the the context that we've met but mm. i think it's important to recognize as well like you said Duncan, that we you know people come into our lives they serve a purpose but we're also serving that purpose for other people you know so we're all yeah. kind of like interacting with each other on this sort of transactional sort of basis but um I think one of the things that I've certainly wrestled with over the years where it's come to friendships is because I'm introverted and I, you know, I tend to have smaller groups of friends um, that are really important to me and I, I like to really invest in those relationships is that, you know, when I was younger, certainly I had expectations of those relationships and expectations of the people. And it's taken me a long time to accept that, you know, for instance, my very close friends who I've known for many years, I'm not um, disrespecting our friendship or letting me down or, um, you know, kind of not meeting my needs. They are just being who they are. And actually, when I felt that, you know, uh, I don't get what I need from them, it's not actually about them. It's about me. You know, we've talked about this before in some context, but I think sometimes mm. friendships, we have expectations of them to meet our needs. And we need to recognise that, like you talked about life being a film, and this is our script. I think sometimes we cast the wrong people in the roles that we write, okay? And we get frustrated with their performance because... You know they're the wrong actor for a particular part um so as you get older as you said Birkin, you know as we become more hopefully wise not just weary um you know we start to perhaps understand a little bit better who are the sort of people that we would want to invest in a, a friendship with and i think when from the, the bromance thing as a guy it happens so rarely that when you do meet somebody like that or you do have that kind of experience you're like oh dude right where have you been let's go you know, let's get into it yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, sorry, I think, uh, yeah, no, I think Rich touched on something really important that I've also experienced recently and, and it's the expectations and, um, you know, very similar, like I, you know, I, I kind of, the common trap I fall into is expecting my friends or other people in my relationship to treat me the way I treat them. Right. So I'm, you know, my close friends or uh, partners that I'm in relationships with, I'm very loyal. So if they, you know, if they call me in the middle of the night and they need something, I will be there to help them. Right. And then often there's times where I need that kind of support. And if people fail to deliver, I take it personally and I get upset. And that's for me, like Rich said, is understanding that, you know, I'm expecting them to do what I would do which means I'm almost saying, well, I'm not doing it for, because, you know, it's understanding that I'm doing those things because that's who I am. And they're for them, they're doing what, uh, who they are. Yeah. <clears throat> and I can't expect people to be treating everyone the same. Cause then, then, yeah, it would it'd just be a, a very difficult and complicated world. So the biggest thing I've come to realize also is like, you know, just being me doing what I would normally do with not a lot of expectations. Um, so, so just being cognizant of that has made a huge difference as well. Mm. Yeah. 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 Good points. And, you know, this, this hot idea about um, treating other people the way that we, you know, that, that we kind of want to be treated. We have this kind of idea, like, well, if I'm, I do X, Y, and Z for them, and surely they'll do that for me. And then when they don't, we're like, I believe him, you know? <laughs> yeah, we get angry. So I think we spend a lot of time in friendships, which aren't, you know, aren't true friendships. Well, neither, neither party is, is particularly 
happy or getting their needs met, but you kind of go along with that, uh, feeling slightly aggrieved or, you know, uh, only only seeing people in certain situations because the friendship only works within that context. Like I, I've definitely got some friends like that, but I can only really engage with them if there's another person, a certain other person there to kind of bring the, 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 the dynamic in or I will only do something with them where it's an active thing because we wouldn't be able to sit down and have a kind of conversation, you know. So, you know, you, you get different things from different friends, but ultimately what I think I enjoy the most is where I don't feel that I'm having to compromise a part of myself in order to in, enjoy the interaction. And I think that's where, like just talking to you guys over the last few months, it's been you know, really easy and really relaxed. And finding that randomly, you know, on a social media platform, for someone that doesn't use social media, it was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially in my advanced years, this is another thing, as you get older, the opportunities for meeting new people, you know, they become less because you're out less, you're socialising less, or you're in a family situation, you're in routine, you you kind of, you know, you're limited because it's only perhaps the other parents at the, you know, at the the school gates or the the after-school club or the weekend thing that you see, so you don't have the, uh, the opportunity of interaction that you do when you're younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose for me, um, I've I've always I found, especially in my younger years, I struggled to make friends really, and that was mainly I spent most of my time on my guard. And as I've become older and, and into my older years, I've kind of um, I find it a lot easier now to strike a conversation with complete strangers. And it's so much just like just even if you're having making it, even if you're getting a cup of coffee in a Costa. And being able just to, oh, hey, how are you doing? All right, yeah, nice weather today. And making small talk, men, yeah. women, doesn't matter, whatever. Um, Do you just stand that there amazing. all day and talk to everyone that comes in? <laughs> yeah, I'm that blue. <laughs> You're that guy, yeah. <laughs> I'm that guy. And the guy who sits on a bus all day long, you know, the one that washes every six months or something. No, it's, um, it's, it's very much a, an easy, I've, I don't know how I've, I, whether or not it's just because I just think, Ah, sod it. Or it's just the benefit of old age. Um, I I just find I'm not so confrontational. I suppose as I've hit my 40s, um, especially my mid 40s now, uh, the testosterone level has dropped. So I don't feel like I want to tear everybody everybody to pieces. And, oh, is that person going to attack me? You know, know, that that stupid overthinking thing that kicks in the back of your head uh, when you're a young lad. But I just feel so much more at ease. Um, I would... If you'd asked me 15 years ago to jump onto a podcast with a couple of guys that we met on Instagram to talk about men's mental health, hell no. But now, God, what a difference. What a difference. Yeah. And that's an interesting point you make about the testosterone thing, because, again, groups of guys getting together. Traditionally, it brings out that, you know, chest puffing, kind of strutting around the social hierarchy, the alpha male and that can really get in the way of just literally trying to get to know somebody and get on with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of, a lot of guys still struggle with it. I see it, you know, like there's uh, guys, you know, we're talking about age. I definitely agree. Like for me now, you know, if someone's got a strong opinion about something, I don't get into that argument anymore. Like I used to, um, or if they're saying something completely obnoxious or, or uh, offensive, I just, you know, kind of like accept it for what it is or accept their opinion. And there's no need for me to argue, but I still see guys my age who are still trying to be the alpha or, or prove 
a point. And, and mm. I think most guys, as you get older, your ego kind of takes a back seat because, and I think for many reasons, I think it's through life experiences. I know for me personally, I've been humbled many times over the years where I'm like, you know what, my ego needs to, uh, you know, just need to, to check itself out. Uh, <laughs> it's not doing me any favors. And, and I think it comes with life experiences and, and whether you're willing to, to uh, learn something from them or continue to do mm-hmm. the same thing. Uh, and then that's where it's like, you know, you continue to do the same thing, hoping for different results. They're not going to come. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think that's, what's helped me is uh, <clears throat> kind of like accepting people for what they are and, and understanding everyone's got a different perspective. Mm, I think bromances are incredibly important, especially I think in your developing years, um, when you're teens into twenties, um, I think they, they, they are important, I think, as you get older, but they hold different value, mm. um, such as someone that you can meet up and have a, pu- uh, a drink at a pub or meet up every now and then to have something to eat, um, have a face-to-face, uh, um, um, what do you call it, video call, uh, be on call for that person as a support network, those types of things are more uh, attributable now, I suppose, in the age group I am now, as opposed to when I was in my 20s, it was ring, ring, hello, yeah, let's go to the pub. Um, and that, that was the extent of my bromance, really. Um, yeah. And all that social construct around having a bromance of uh, learning the ropes of sexuality, dating, um, family life, career, you know, all those expectations that were kind of put upon you within your social group and society as a, as a whole, you kind of used your bromance as a microcosm to grow yourself um, as a bouncing off someone with similar likes or dislikes in order to yeah. grow your own personality. Um, and now as I'm, I know, I know who I am. I'm fat, I'm middle-aged, I'm grey, I'm a martial artist who hurts and spends 10 minutes getting up off the mat, Um, but I know lots of people in the same boat as me, so there's no conflict anymore, and it's so so refreshing. Yeah, I think part of the reason, uh, I think for me personally, and I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but even being younger and going to like hang out with my friends, we were always distracted, you know, it's like, chasing women or or not really engaged in conversation and now for me I'm comfortable just sitting there with you know even going out with one friend and us just two dudes sitting there and having a conversation and not getting distracted and then I find you know we talk about testosterone I think when you're younger it's also that competitive those competitive juices right like oh as yeah, men, yeah we it's normal for us to be competing like that's where we thrive um and that i think with age or just again wisdom you you just stop thinking that way you're just comfortable accepting the guy across the table from you and and there's no competition yeah i think i think that's what it's ultimately about it's just you know acceptance of self and yeah men are we've been conditioned for for generations to as you say to to compete with each other you know there's a biological element here you know ultimately we're all um you know designed to try and make ourselves the most appealing you know specimen out there that's that's genetically what we're what we're, we're kind of like biologically set up to do but society's changed you know um i can't imagine what it must be like for you know boys 
to grow up into men in this world compared to my experience, very, very different, I'd imagine. And, you know, I do a lot of work around some of those themes as a therapist, but it's there's something I wanted to say earlier in terms of when you were saying about um, yeah, the stigma around bromances and the kind of you know, groups of guys getting together, football, um, you know, the lads out on the beer or whatever. There's also another thing that seems to be kind of accepted, but again, stigmatized, which is the kind of the, the more primal side of men getting together. And there's quite a few groups, I know there's a few pages like this on Instagram, you know, that kind of you know, stripping back everybody's kind of you know, sat on a beach, bare chested. Uh, or, you know, making camps with their boys is a lot of kind of, you know, re reclaiming masculinity things or, um, you know, focusing on developing the bond between fathers and sons through, you know, kind of <clears throat> outdoor related workshops, this kind of stuff as well. So it's kind of like, again, that's a, a validated version of going being being a man or, or, or doing men things with other men, but it seems to be another kind of caricature almost of being a man, whereas where's the bit in the middle where you can just sit and have a conversation with other guys about stuff that you can all relate to without it having to be labelled or uh, packaged as a thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, very true. Yeah, so I think those are all great points. Um, I So for me personally, where I see the struggle, though, is, you know, even with bromance, and again, want to get your thoughts on this, or do you guys feel comfortable enough to be able to talk about your emotions and feelings? Because I still find that a struggle. I, in fact, I did a video recently on Instagram as well about really, you know, even though I know, and I'm preaching to other men that, hey, you know, uh, speak of express your emotions, trust each other, uh, encourage other men to, to do, do the same, but I still struggle with it myself where I can't, uh, even just going through like the, my recent breakup, just not being able to like fully express myself or, or just tell my friends that, Hey, you know, I am having a hard time. I just need to be able to talk about it. And, and even when I do talk about it, I don't get into the, the specifics of what I'm feeling. I still, um tend to act like it's okay you know yeah it sucks but i'm okay i'm okay and and i don't feel like most days i am okay mm. um personally i if you'd asked me this question in my 20s and 30s i would have agreed with you i would have said um for kenya i i would struggle to get what I mean out of my mouth um, and I struggle to uh, establish a link with how I'm feeling and what I'm saying and I, I do exactly the same thing uh, yeah all good uh, anyone asked me a question when it is in my 20s it's been yeah how you doing Mike yeah fine I'm good um, however since after being diagnosed with PTSD anxiety and depression a few years ago um, I have a tendency to flip the other way now which is overshare um, so I recently started um, uh, taking over a men's mental health working group in my workplace. And um, I got into a conversation with a couple of guys in that call. And <laughs> it was almost as if it was a race to the bottom of you know, who could feel the worst fastest. Um, and it was not what we wanted to achieve, but for some reason it, it acted as if that was the release or the valve in order to get everything out. 
and all those expectations about being in work and keep calm, carry on, and I'm a bloke and all that, um, and I, I should be able to accept and handle it. Um, you know, for for my twenties and thirties, now I'm in my forties and I'm in that context of doing a men's mental health working group. It was so much easier for me to come out with everything, mm. and I suppose through the use of this podcast, um, because I don't have the bromance as such anymore in order to have these open conversations with that one person. Um, I've kind of used the podcast as a way of releasing my feelings. Um, and, and that experience of what I've gone through recently or of what I've come up to recently um, and things that I've looked, you know, I look back in my life and go, uh, these are the type of issues I've come up with. This is how I dealt with it. Put it on a podcast, send it out there for the big wide broad to experience. Um, that's, that's been with me. So that was a very long winded and convoluted answer to uh, your very simple question. Uh, sorry for it, Ken. No, no, it's, stand, it's standard for me. I think It's not simple at all. Cause obviously for me, I personally struggle with it uh, with certain things. Uh, so I guess I have something to look forward to when I'm, when I turn 40. <laughs> yeah open and brutal honesty yeah you get a foot in a 40 years old you know just loading the shells into the conversation shotgun like this <laughs> who wants it come on go on richard you're next um no it makes sense what you both say and i think it's a bit different for me because obviously as a therapist i'm all about talking about how you feel and, and kind of you know encouraging people to do that and i don't really feel that I've ever found it difficult to talk about my feelings. What I found difficult was that other people didn't understand what I was saying or that it, by doing so, certainly from a, you know, a male perspective, you know, during those early years, it set me apart because that's not what my friends were doing. And, you know, there were all sorts of, um, uh, yeah, I remember being called all sorts of names just for essentially what being, you know, kind of sensitive, to, you know, being able to articulate how, how or even talking about it. So I, that the message I had very early on was, you know, you're going to um, isolate yourself by, by doing that, but it made me feel very alone. And I think, you know, it's interesting what you said there, Mike, about this kind of, this space that you're curating at work and it, there's a, a very real risk of it becoming that race to the bottom very quickly. And I've seen this as a therapist coming into Instagram and I, I've, you know, kind of been feeling my way and a large part of, you know, my journey has been, um, well, Birkin, you know, you were kind of there at the beginning of it really. So one of the things I've found as a therapist is that actually the, the space um, around mental health is actually predominantly full of people that are doing exactly that processing their own experiences and matching them against others and seeing where they, where they are in their own kind of like, you know, process of evaluation. Um, and there is this kind of trauma porn element to it where people want yeah. to be more damaged than the other or have experienced yeah. more than the other. But there is also that other space where people find it really liberating and, and safe to be able to talk about how they feel because they're amongst other people that are doing exactly that. And, you know, that's what I spend, that's, that's my working week around people who are at the point where they want to talk. And, um, I guess what, what I've found challenging is that long ago I, I came to the realization that, as I said, a lot of my friends just are not the people that are ever going to give me what I need when it comes to talking about how I feel. And, uh, I've just learned not to go there for it. And sometimes that does mean that I haven't got anywhere to go. And that, you know, I do, uh, I have, as a therapist, I have supervision. I have personal therapy as well, because it's something that I've, 
I find that it helps you know me to have that space um, because I know now what it is that I need. So I'm able to explore things like that in therapy because I know that I'm not going to get them from certain friends. But then those are the very same friends that will take me to that place that I need to be taken to sometimes, which is that banter, which is that stupid childish humour, which is the sharing of silly messages or the just the kind of the relentless piss taking, as we say over here in the UK, that actually... <laughs> It is just as important and just as healthy to have in a relationship because it, it's that you know it's that free child thing it's that part of us that we need to have nurtured um because yeah if we approach life as just being completely serious all the time then it becomes very difficult to find joy in, in life so that's why having these friendships i think where we can feel like at times like kids again free of all this stuff that comes as you grow up i think is really really important Again, did I out ramble Mike there? I think I, I went for. I uh, think you're you're close. You're you're almost in the first give me position. A few more spot. seconds. I'll come up with uh, some other ones. I'll get my stopwatch <laughs> going here. But, uh, <laughs> but I think uh, interesting to note, though, talking about the race to the bottom, and like many things, you know, the pendulum just swings from one extreme to the other, and that's what I'm finding. You know, like it's like people that are sharing their traumatic stories or, or whatever they're struggling with are now celebrated and which is great. You know, I think you want to keep uh, people to have that Liberty, but the pendulum swung so far that, you know, it's almost like if you don't have, at least this is my perception, if you don't have a, uh, a story of adversity or, or serious challenge, then you're almost not even hurt. Cause yeah, you're like, it's invalidated. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, then you almost start comparing. So like, even for me, like if I'm struggling with something, I'm like, who's going to want to listen to me while someone else has got some serious, serious issues. Mine are not that serious. So then you almost feel like invalidated in the sense, because you're like, well, I don't feel like I need to be complaining right now because my troubles are not as serious. Um, so I don't know if you, what are your thoughts on that, but I, I do see that quite a bit. And even like, I feel like even when I go for therapy, it's almost like I'm talking myself out of it. I'll be like, you know, this happened and I, it was that bad, but you know, I shouldn't be complaining. I should be grateful. Hmm. I think we have a tendency to rationalize stuff as not being as severe as it, as it actually is when we go to therapy. I, I certainly did that is is almost a coping mechanism in itself, isn't it? You you got to justify uh, the way you're feeling. You got somebody that's not being confrontational, but you, uh, therapy can be perceived that way. I know I did when someone's peering into you and looking into um, or giving you some reasoned explanation as to why you feel X and Y, and to have then that feeling of ah, but it's all good, it's all right. It kind of takes that diffuses the feeling doesn't it but um uh yeah I'd, i've i meant to say earlier on after um when we were talking about um friendships and things uh, completely forgot to mention it um this was uh, a friend of mine um gave me um some really 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 good advice uh, and uh, we had a, a very good relationship over a long period of time and that's developed into something else now um and that's changed and moved on um and that was a really open sort of, um, I'm trying to find a word of explaining it now, but I'm not doing a very good job. Uh, it was, we had, we had a, a, a friendship, which was um, very beer orientated, girl orientated. And um, as we've grown up, uh, we've now moved into, 
kids, family, cars, houses, investments, property, and nobody's listening to this. Yeah, so it, it, that's, that was actually quite a good growth thing for me. I meant to mention it earlier on, sorry, um, but it was a, a relationship whereby it started off as one thing and actually moved into something else. Yeah, and sometimes that, that happens. Nice. Sometimes people grow with us, you know. They, that goes back yeah. to the whole timing thing, people coming into our lives. But just to touch on Perkins' point about that kind of, um, you know, uh, discrediting our own emotional experiences because we know that other people yeah. are having it worse. You know, yeah. I've, I know I've talked about this on Instagram and um, an example, a personal example of this is a while back, you know, I've spoken to you guys about the stupid thing I did to my finger and I put that video up where I was like, okay, so probably going to have to have this operation because I didn't look at it, I didn't get it looked at when it happened. Um, so I used that as an example to say, like, you know, it, deal with the problem when it happens, otherwise it will be, you know, become something more. Mm-hmm. So um, I've had my operation and I've got this kind of, this wonky finger now, which is never going to be totally right. And, and I was on the phone, I was on the call with my therapist the other week and I said, I'm annoyed because I, I remember the night it happened. I remember being at home thinking, like a little voice in my head saying, you should probably go to a and And I was just like, no, nah, it'll be all right. It'll be fine. And she was saying to me, well, look, you know, don't beat yourself up. You didn't know. And I said, I did know this is a thing. I can't lie to myself because I knew that there was, there was something that was saying to me, you should probably get this checked out. And if I had, they could have given me a splint, which would have meant that it, when it started to heal, it wouldn't be wonky and it wouldn't be, I probably wouldn't have had to have an operation. But the point was, I was saying to her that I was annoyed with myself and she was trying to kind of, let me see that it perhaps wasn't my fault but it was because I knew that I should have gone and she said something very interesting to me she said was it because uh, that you just didn't think you were important enough if it happened to one of your children you would have taken them and what I think you were talking about there ultimately Birkin is that self-worth you know so if we have any sort of self-doubt about you know, our own emotional experiences, they will be uh, you know, exacerbated when we enter into an arena where we're, com- we're instantly comparing and we will gravitate towards things that validate this feeling of low self-worth and say, well, actually, and I hear it all the time, you know, I shouldn't complain because people have it so much worse, you know, or, you know, I don't know why I'm making such a big deal out of it. It could be this or it could be that or you know, my friend has this, and we find all these reasons to squash how we feel. Um, and if you apply that to groups of men, men don't encourage each other to talk at the best of times. Yeah. So, um, you know, it can become quite a lonely place, I think, because everyone's trapped there and no one's helping them to feel important enough to talk about how they feel, you know. So it's all very well saying, ask your mate if he's okay. And I know in the UK, we've got the ask twice thing. Um but you know that doesn't make somebody automatically comfortable to talk you can ask them three times that isn't necessarily going to get them to open up if they don't feel safe to do that yeah yeah and i think uh part of it is what i try to tell people is you know your experience is your experience you can't be relative uh whatever you're going through uh is what you're going through and you shouldn't feel shameful because you're you know if you've uh if you've lost a job, it might not be as bad as someone else going through a significant loss. And it's not about comparison. Um, it's all about what you're feeling in that moment and, and accepting it. So it's definitely a, 
an important point. And again, it's easier said than done because we all kind of tend to uh, use that rationale that, you know, my problem is not that bad or, or I'll be okay. Um, and it comes back to self-worth for sure. Um, but yeah, um, it's something I wanted to touch on, right? And I think speaking of bromance, like being able to um, see that in, in your friends or, or giving them that space to be able to talk about it. I, I did want to highlight, you know, I appreciate the, uh, you know, everything, I, just being, ha- being able to have these conversations with you guys and, uh, you know, uh, even just kind of reaching out and checking in. Um, I've really appreciated that. Um, it's been a tough go lately. So, you know, I, I appreciate you guys just keeping in touch again, <laughs> different time zones, but it's, it's helped immensely just knowing that there's someone there. I can, um, even message and be like, Hey, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a hard go. Uh, can we talk? So it does yeah. help a lot. Always there. That's chat. all you need isn't it? to know that somebody's just there you know, just to be able to say, hey, how's it going? And, you know, to have that kind of, that ear or that, that space just to be able to, you know, have five minutes even, you know? And that, I think, is uh, is what these things are about. You don't need to constantly be doing stuff together or, like, you know, structuring around things. It's just about having that connection that if that message does come through or whatever, it's, um, yeah, you just kind of, you can rely on it. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, like I said, it's just knowing that there's someone there who's checking in or, or available to, to chat. Right. So it, it does make a huge difference. Mm. Well, it's been a pleasure to speak to you guys. Um, we should definitely do this again sometime. Maybe we should uh, pick some random things from our childhood that we all grew up with and uh, kind of reminisce over uh, over them. I know Mike and I, we've spoken about doing some stuff around old 80s action movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm game. Cool. I, I'll try to yeah, talk about it as much as I can remember. I was still a, a baby in the 80s, so. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. <laughs> Rub it in. <laughs> I'm, off, I'm off to get some hair dye now and put a beard dye. So. <laughs> All right, guys. Listen, I'm gonna have to. Um, I'm gonna have to say my my goodbyes. But it's been great to chat with you. Thanks for having um, me on again, Firkin. And um, I look forward to doing it again with you guys soon. Yeah. No. Well, great. Appreciate it. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, gentlemen. It was been good fun. I'll speak to you again soon. Yeah. You take care. All right, take care. Cheerio. Well, that's the end of the episode. Thank you again for tuning in. As always, please leave a five star review. And until next week.